What's your favorite Bible story? There's a lot to choose from. You know, is it Adam and Eve? Is it the crucifixion? Maybe it's Noah's Ark. And we began hearing these Bible stories or Bible truths as little children, didn't we? Our parents, a lot of times, would that'd be what we would, maybe they'd read to us as we went to bed or, um, you know, we learned about in church, obviously. They've, uh, they've shaped our lives. As we've gotten older, we've come to understand more and more what they mean. You know, we've applied them to our lives. They've helped us to become better Christians. And obviously, we learned how to become Christians through these stories. Because every story has a purpose and an application in our lives. They help us understand like I said, how to conduct ourselves and how to become Christians. So I've put together a few of my favorite Bible stories for us to read and discuss this morning. It's fairly simple. Uh, these are lessons or stories that we've, we've all heard. And then at the end, we're going to kind of bring that all together. So we're going to start out in Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to talk about Abraham and the sacrifice of Isaac. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. And it came to pass... After these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take thine, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand, and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar, built an altar there and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, and seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah, as it said to this, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, by myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, 
and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. You know, I'll be honest, uh, this, this never, I mean, I got it and I understood it as a child, but it didn't really hit home until after we had kids. Uh, you know, you could imagine having children and thinking about having to sacrifice one of your kids, or if it's your only child, your only child. You know, that type of faith and obedience, it just doesn't happen overnight. You know, could you, like I said, could you imagine having to sacrifice one of your kids or a grandkid? But God asked Abraham to do just that thing, and willingly, Abraham did it. He didn't sit there and ask God, why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. You know, can we do something else? He, he went. And of course, God intervened and provided a ram for a burnt offering, but it was just in the nick of time. I mean, we, we read where he had grabbed the knife. I mean, he was ready to slay Isaac. You think... You know, I think that the part of this that a lot of people just kind of forget about, they, you know, they want to think about the sacrifice of Isaac and the fact that it almost happened. But what they forget is the blessings that God promised Abraham. You know, God told Abraham that his seed would be multiplied, and in his seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed, all because he obeyed God's voice. And this is one of my favorite stories because of that. You know, I want to strive towards having that type of faith. I think we all should strive towards having that type of faith. You know, I gave a lesson a while back about Peter walking on water. And yeah, he, you know, he got scared and he lost focus and he fell in the water, but he did step out on faith and walk on water. Whether it was a step, half a step, what it was, he still had that faith even for a moment. But what we need to have is the faith of Abraham um, and to strive towards that. The next, oops, I think I skipped one. The next story we're going to look at is David versus Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 40 through 51. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, which he had even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose, and came and drew nigh 
to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. This story has always been inspiring to me because here you have Goliath. He's, he's a big man. And then you have David. He's just kind of an average Joe. He's kind of like me, just an average Joe. You know, if there was a, if this were a, a UFC fight, I'm sure that Vegas would have, you'd probably give David about a one, one million, or one in a million chance to win. You know, I've, I've said this before in sermons, ever since I was a kid, I've always been kind of the little guy. I've always felt like I've had to prove myself um, just because I was a little guy. People were always bigger than me, and I, I felt like I had to work a little more to, to prove myself. Um, you know, you tell me not, not to do something, tell me I can't do something, and I'm going to try to prove you wrong. I at least try my best to do that. And David, you know, he was kind of the same way. He had his doubters, and he went and he proved them wrong. He slayed Goliath. And the thing is, the reason he did that is because God was on his side. And we read in verses 45 through 47, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the year and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. This is inspiring to us as Christians because we can accomplish anything through God and with God if he's on our side, if it's his will. David went on, you read, keep reading, David went on to become a king and he became a great leader. Our next story is the rich young man. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. And when he was gone forth into the land, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked, asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he said, and he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. This story, to me, is always just, it's amazed me. It's even made me a little bit sad. I mean, you know, this, you have this young man, he wants to know how to inherit eternal life. In my mind, I picture a well-kept young man that's excited to see Jesus. 
he's so excited, he just he takes off running towards Jesus, kneels at Jesus, and he asks him, good master, what can I do to inherit eternal life? Imagine the joy on this young man's face, his heart pounding with excitement, probably thinking, finally, I'm going to get to know exactly what I need to do to, to have eternal life. I've got riches, I've got good, great possessions. All I need now is to know how to inherit eternal life, and I'll be set. Well, then Jesus, he asks him if he knows the commandments. He says, yes, I've observed them since I was a youth. So now he's probably thinking, that's it. I just need to continue to follow the commandments, and I'll have eternal life. Then what does Jesus do? He looks at him. He looks at him, and he loves him. And he says, and Jesus says, you lack one thing. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor, and you'll have riches in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. You just imagine a picture of that young man's face. He goes from total excitement to total disappointment. It says he was sad. It says he went away grieved because he had great possessions. I'm amazed that someone would walk away from Jesus in eternal life. And at the same time, like I said, I'm sad for that person. He had done everything that he needed to do. He had observed all the commandments. All he had to do was get rid of the things that he had. You know, uh, during our meeting, Brother Crouch talked about this, and he had a good illustration on that. You know, he he didn't say that uh, he had just that he had to just give it away. You know. He could have sold it. He could have done whatever. But the point was that these things that you have aren't going to give you eternal life. I'm going to give you eternal life. Jesus, he's going to give you eternal life. These great possessions won't. You've got to get rid of them. You have to follow after me. And he walked away from the greatest gift ever given just to keep a bunch of material things. The next story is the parable of the talents. Can't leave this one out. It's Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling into a far country who called his his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several, several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two He also gained other two, but he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the word of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more talents. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man. Reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there lo, there thou hast that is thine. 
His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the, the talent from him, and give it unto him which, had, which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into utter darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, like I said, we can't leave the parable of the talents out. Now, I don't know for sure what, I don't know for sure, but I would dare to say that this is probably the most used parable in a sermon. Think about how many times you've heard this. Uh, men here that preached, I would say we've probably all used it at least once. So we've all heard it. You know, basically, as I just read, the master is going out of town. He has three servants. He gives five to one, two to another, one to another. Um, the one with five, he doubles what he had, so now he's got ten. One with two doubles what he had, so now he's got four whenever the master comes back. Uh, the one with one talent, he doesn't do anything with it. He just hides it. And uh, the master comes back, he's upset. Of course he would be upset, he didn't do anything with it. And the reason I like this parable is because it reminds me not to be lazy. I know it sounds funny, that's probably not what you really get out of this story. Uh, but it reminds me not to be lazy with the talents that I have. Um, if I hide them, I don't profit anything. The Lord doesn't profit anything. You know, if you don't use it, you lose it. David says that all the time. So whoever doesn't improve what was given to him will be taken away, which is the truth. But like I said, I also think that the servant with one talent was a little bit lazy. You know, we could get lazy. I don't think he was just afraid. I think he was lazy. How do you know you can't do something or improve on something if you don't try? It doesn't say that in the scripture. Those are... My thoughts, so take it as you will. Now, these are all great Bible stories, and they all have great application in our lives. Think of how many lives have changed. How many lives have been saved because of the stories in the Bible? Think of how many people have stayed up at night reading the Bible. How many people have ran their fingers down these pages so they don't lose their place. How many people have died or been persecuted for reading these truths? Think of how many people wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the stories of the Bible. All because a person or people that were historically documented in the Bible so that we could know truth and be given the opportunity of eternal life. So my question for you is, what's your Bible story? Will it be a story of faith, like the type of faith that Abraham had? Will we stand by our faith, not be afraid and be obedient no matter the consequence? Or will it be a story like the servant with the one talent who hid his talent because he was afraid and and maybe a little bit lazy.
Every one of us has a talent, and we are an asset to this congregation and to this community. But if we hide that talent because we're afraid or lazy, then we're beginning, then we're beginning, we're being unprofitable and could risk losing it all. You know, I don't know about y'all, but I like a happy ending. You know, I've known people that have come to church, been involved in the church for years, and then all of a sudden just quit coming. I've known people that were involved in church when they were little, and when they become adults, they get mixed up in some stuff that they shouldn't be mixed up in didn't come back to church. Know somebody in that same situation, did some things, made some bad decisions when he was a young man. But from the moment that he went back to the Lord and started worshiping him and doing what he should do, is a good man to this day because of that. So I ask again, what's, I'm, I'm trying to skip one, got to go back a little bit, I know I've said this before in the past, but what you do today affects your future, it not only affects you, but it affects your family, it affects your children. It affects your children's children and so on and so forth. So next question, as a congregation, what's our Bible story? Will it be the story of faith like a type of faith that Abraham had? Or will we be lazy with our talent? And I don't know how our story Ends. I don't know where you're at in your story. What is our Bible story? What is your Bible story? If the Bible were being written today, what impact would your Bible story leave on the world? A thousand years from now, if somebody were to go and over these thousand years write a Bible, what would be your Bible story? Would somebody open it up and read a story. Hey man, did you read that story? Have you seen this story? Have you seen it? This guy, this person went to church all their life. All their life they went to the church. They did what they were supposed to do. They were baptized for remission of sins. When they were 25 years old, they decided they were going to go do something else. They decided, you know, Hey, I like going camping. Let's go camping this Sunday. We're going to skip church just this one time. It'll be all right. That one time, that one month, five years down the road, ten years down the road, man, they stopped going to church services. They stopped following the Lord. Do you want to be that Bible story? Is that your Bible story? Is that what you want people to remember you as? Or maybe, hey, 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 did you read this one? Have you seen this one? Did you read this story? You know what it says? This person went to church every day of their life. Every day of their life. 
When they were 13 years old, they were coming home from somewhere and there was a bad accident. There was a bad accident and they died before they had the chance to come to the Lord. They had all intentions of doing so, but they didn't do it. Is that what your, your Bible story to be? You wouldn't have gone to church all your life, done the things you're supposed to do, know that you're supposed to follow God, know that you're supposed to be baptized for remission of sins and not do it. Never get the chance to because you die. Oh, that's not going to happen to me. That'll never happen to me. Well, guess what? It does happen. It's happened in my life. My brother died in a car accident. My dad died from cancer. Luckily, they both were baptized. Both of them followed the Lord. I am so thankful for that. But it could have very easily gone the other way around. You know what I want my Bible story to be? Brother Carl, you know what my Bible story to be? You know what I want it to be? I want somebody to open it in a thousand years and say, this man right here, he went to church. He was baptized for remission of sins. He continued to go to church. He preached on Sunday mornings. He brought his children to the Lord. He taught them. He was a good man. And he continued to follow the Lord. The day that he died, he was still with the Lord and following what the Lord would have him follow. Doing the Lord's work and his will. Let me tell you something. You haven't made it to the back page of your book yet. It's not complete. You can't go back and erase history, but you can ask forgiveness. You can ask forgiveness today and be baptized for the remission of sins and follow the Lord. You still have a chance to do so. Maybe you've been baptized in the past and you feel like you're going down the wrong road. You're not following that straight and narrow anymore and you're not right with the Lord and you need prayers from the church. Well, we can fix that too. You can come forward. We can pray for you. You feel like you need to be rebaptized. We can do that as well. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.